0: Our time in God's Word together by saying the Lord's Prayer. The words will be up here on the screen. Uh, and so let's begin our time uh, saying this prayer together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from the evil one, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you so much. You can have a seat. I want to say good morning again. I'm thankful that you're here. It's good to see uh, some of you back after a couple of weeks of Christmas and traveling and all that's involved in that. I want to welcome those who are online. If you've tried to tune in online, we have been and continue to have uh, significant internet issues that uh, are we're working hard with the company that provides our internet to get fixed and it doesn't seem to be working. And so uh, maybe you've tried to tune in if you've been out of town and, and uh, have not been able to. And so that's, that's part of what's going on there. We're still working to figure that out. But if you're watching online this morning, we're thankful that you're here as well. Um, I was thinking about um, that song we sang a minute ago, You Were the Words and the Music. And I can't sing that song without thinking about longtime member and leader of this church, Wayman Sloan, who loved that song. And so uh, that Wayman came to my mind this morning as we were singing uh, that song, Tim and Raleen, um, and it was a a neat encouragement. Uh, I want to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 12. That's where we're going to be in just a few minutes together as we open God's Word uh, here together in just a minute. I want to start, though, this morning with a funny story that i've I've told before, but it's been a long time, so I don't make a habit of repeating stories that I've used before, but uh, so some of you might recall it, but it's too appropriate for today, so I wanted to tell it again. It's a story about a small country church that had squirrels in the ceiling, and these squirrels were creating a mess. they were wreaking havoc at this church and so some of the ministry leaders get together and they decide they have a plan, they're going to get their plan together, and they develop this plan. They set out traps for these squirrels, but none of the traps work. The squirrels are still there creating a mess. So the elders of this church decide to get together and they decide to pray about it. And so they do that, they, they pray about it, and the prayers, you know, were meaningful, but the squirrels were still there. And so the youth minister has a bright idea as youth ministers tend to do and he 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 says you know i'm going to go catch the squirrels and put them in the church van and i'm going to drive the squirrels out further into the country and i'm going to let them go and drop them off and so he does but these squirrels make their way back to the church building in the ceiling everything had been tried and nothing seems to work and finally the preacher speaks up he says that he has a plan that has not been tried He says, I know what I'll do. I'll preach on the topic of money. And sure enough, he does. And those squirrels leave and never come back. (laughs) Those squirrels knew something, right, that so many of us know, and that is that when you talk about money, most of the time it makes people run away. And I'm talking about money today, and so I'm doing that in the midst of a season that we are in as a church, that we participate every year as a church together, uh, that we call our stewardship process. And around uh, the room, on the tables around the room, are some envelopes that look like this that have a card inside of it. And in that envelope uh, is an opportunity for you to write down uh, what you will plan to give for the work of the church this coming year in 2023. Uh, and we ask each of you to do that, uh, to do it here with an actual card. We have a place through our website that you can do, do that. Um, and, and so that card is only seen by a couple of people. Uh, but we take what we do is we take the total from all of those cards and we use that total to build our church budget. Um, and Which means that if you don't, we don't have a card from you or we don't have a, pl- a stewardship pledge from you, Uh, then it impacts the overall amount that we will plan to be able to spend for ministry and missions in the coming year. And so it's really important uh, that you participate in that. And uh, we started doing this a couple of years ago in 2019, kind of started doing our our budget as a a church this way for a couple of reasons. One is because we felt like that uh, this is the way that budgets work, right? That if you have a budget in your family That you start with your income, how much you're bringing home, and then you spend, hopefully based upon that. Uh Um. And so not taking the conversation about credit cards into consideration for this. We're not going to do that as a church. Certainly people choose to do that. But the way a budget should work is that you start with your income and you base your spending upon that. And we weren't doing that as a church. Prior to doing it the way we do it now, we were just making up our budget and then asking you to give to the budget we had created. And, you know, the budget could be $100,000 more than the church was able to give uh, and so we were over budgeting what our income was. It didn't make sense. It didn't make logical sense. So we switched it. And as a result, our financial picture overall as a church, which we are happy to tell you more about if you're really curious about the details of that, uh, our fi- we're, we're much better off financially as a church than when, when, from when we were before. When we started this in 2019, it's completely changed the financial picture for our church in the best possible way. And so I want you to know that because we haven't talked a lot about that, but it's been a really positive thing. So the first reason we did it is because this is the way budgets work. The second reason we did it, and maybe more importantly for sure, is we started doing our budget this way because our, as, a, as a church leadership, we believe that giving back to the Lord is an important spiritual practice. And in 2019, some of you will recall, though some of you weren't here, that I, I made a statement and I've said it off and on over the years, that we want to see everyone contributing something. We actually care less about what the amount is and more that, it's, that, that something is being given. And there's certainly biblical support for the idea of giving 10% of your income, but if you're not there yet, if you've never done that before, uh, my challenge to you would be to start somewhere. Uh, and so my, my sincere request this morning is that you'll take a card, that you'll go to the website, that you'll spend some time thinking and praying about what you are able to financially commit to the work of this church this year, and that you'll turn that in by next Sunday. Uh, we've been talking about it since the end of last year, but with the Advent season and the holidays and all the things that are going on, it's kind of gotten lost in the shuffle a little bit. And so be aware of that. Uh, if you have questions, let us know. But I didn't want to just today mention the stewardship cards and the stewardship process because it really runs deeper than that, really bigger than that. Uh, Money is intertwined with our lives in such a significant way that it has a real impact on our spiritual life. Money has an impact on our spiritual life. Now, somewhere along the way, churches got a reputation for Always talking about money. Maybe you've experienced a church always seeming to talk about money. I actually had a little bit of a concern as I was getting ready for today. I thought somebody might come on January the 8th who's made a renewed commitment to get back to church the beginning of this year, and they have in the back of their mind, you know, some experience with a church who's always talking about money. And, and then you show up. You made your commitment. I applaud you. I salute you. I'm proud of you. You made your commitment. You showed up, and of all the topics that we could be talking about today based on that maybe past experience you might have had, we are talking about money. You have some luck if that's your experience. You might want to buy some Mega Millions numbers or something. I don't know, but it, it, we're going to just talk about it today. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm going to preach just today about it, and I I know that that's been the experience for some churches, um, and I, but as I was thinking about it, the truth is you should know as well. I rarely have talked about money. In fact, I I don't know if you know this, but our family has been here eleven years. We twelve years in August, and I went back to look, and in 12, almost twelve years, one time in 2018, I preached a sermon series three weeks on the topic. Of money and on the topic of giving. I've mentioned I've mentioned giving. I've talked about giving during mission Sundays that we used to have or stewardship processes, but I've never done a, a series like I did, except for 2018. I almost never talk about it, you could say. And so in some ways I feel like I owe you an apology because Jesus always talks about it. Right? And so in sort of kind of in a tongue-in-cheek kind of a way, I've titled my sermon The Thing the Church Always Talks About because that is certainly the experience in lots of churches, but it has not been the experience here, at least over the last dozen years. Jesus talked about it all the time. Just to give you some reference about what I mean when I say Jesus talked about it all the time. Did you know that one sixth of every statement that Jesus makes is about money? One-third of every parable that he teaches deals with money in some way or another. And Jesus doesn't talk about money because he wants money. Jesus doesn't talk about it all the time because he needs our money. Jesus talks about it all the time because he understands the massive influence that our money has over our lives. Jesus talked about it all the time because what Jesus wants is disciples, people who are committed, who are interested most of all above everything else in building God's kingdom here on earth, that prayer that we just prayed, instead of building our kingdoms here on earth. And one of those places where Jesus talks about money is in Luke chapter 12. We're going to look at it beginning in verse 15. This is, this is what uh, Jesus says. Then Jesus said to them, Be careful and guard against all kinds of greed. Life is not measured by how much one owns. Now, Jesus makes this statement. I'll stop here for just a second and say that he makes this statement because two brothers come to him and they ask a question. They're concerned, they're fighting over money. Their parents have died, and now they're fighting over the inheritance. And they're trying to figure out who gets which part of the family inheritance. And Jesus is warning them to be careful about, against all kinds of greed that can settle into their hearts. And he says this interesting line as he's warning them of this. He says, life is not measured by how much a person owns. And I can hear, I can hear it now that someone in our world might push back and go, okay, Jesus, that might be true for you with your high and lofty ideas, right? But I don't know about the world you live in, Jesus, but the world that we live in, it is. Me- people's lives are measured by how much they own. In our world, everybody's life is measured by what they own. This is what human beings do to each other comparing ourselves, measuring ourselves by how much or what we own. You're measured by what you drive, where you live how much land you own, what neighborhood you live in, where your kids might be able to attend school, what car you drive, what clothes you wear, the job that you have. We're all so focused. Our world is so focused on building our own kingdoms, focused on measuring life by what we own. It is true right? that in our world, People are measured by what they have. And so it's, it's shocking, right, that Jesus enters into this, this conversation and makes this statement. It's actually, I think, what makes Jesus' statement so radical. Jesus says, I know this is what people do. I don't think it was any different in that time. Obviously, these two brothers are coming to, to get some clarification from Jesus about this issue. And Jesus says, I know this is what people do. And they do this because they mistakenly think that that stuff is the point of life. But I've come to tell you, Jesus says, that none of that is the point of life. What you own is not the point of your life. What you own is not the point of your life. And that may be the one thing that somebody needs to hear today. It could be because you have so much and you've become consumed with what you own. It could also be because you don't have and you're wanting and you need to be reminded that the pursuit of that is not the point of your life. Jesus says, in the kingdom that I have come to establish on the earth, we are not going to measure people by what they own. You could even make an argument that Jesus is whole point is that we're not going to measure people at all in the ways that we typically do that people are going to not be judged by the standards that we typically judge people by people of all kinds are welcome everybody is welcome into God's kingdom life is about so much more church than our possessions and yes we can have possessions this is not a statement against possessions at all this is a statement about this isn't a statement about owning anything specifically It's a statement that calls us to evaluate our hearts and how and in which ways we are measuring our life. What you own is not the point of your life. And Jesus continues to explain this with a story. I want you to listen to what he says. He says, He told them a parable, he told them a story. He says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. And so this rich man thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, ah, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns, and I'll build bigger barns. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, as I look at my big barns full of my surplus grain, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry." And so Jesus tells this story about a certain man that made a lot of money and had the ability to buy lots of stuff. And so he bought the stuff and he filled his house. And his house wasn't big enough and so he built a bigger house to continue to store all the stuff that he owned. That's the summary of this story in a modern day way of thinking about it. And it's easy if we're honest to see that man's greed than it is our own greed, right? Right? It's easier for me to see his greed than it is to see my own greed. I'll go first and say that. Like we may not build barns, but we fill closets. And when our closets are full, we fill our garages. and when our garages are full, we build an outbuilding or we rent a storage building, and then they got to build bigger storage buildings because people keep putting all their stuff in storage buildings. And, w- w- and what happens is, right we name that smart or resourceful because I don't, you know, don't want to throw away all this stuff that I that I bought. But there's a part of this story that's about, that's about identity, who we are as God's people, right? This guy thought that his life was about his stuff. Did you hear him? Did you hear how he was talking? I have no place to store my crops, so I will tear down my barns and build myself bigger barns. There I will store my surplus, my extra, right? His goal is to withdraw and relax with little to no interest in anybody else, which is the definition of greed. Greed is this belief, right, that the abundance of possessions equals abundant life, that the abundance of stuff equals the good life. What the man thought was, I have X amount of wealth, therefore I must have X number of years left ahead of me. I'm secure. I have abundant wealth and therefore I must have abundant life. For this man, his future was all about this world and this time and this side of life instead of about a future world, a kingdom that God had come to bring to earth. His problem was not that he was rich, hear me. His problem was not that he's rich. Jesus doesn't speak against wealth. His problem was that he didn't know why he was rich. His problem was not that he was rich. His problem was that he did not know why he was rich, and he didn't have the kingdom eyes to see the ways in which he could be creative with his wealth. And so he hoarded, and he retired away, and he decided to live the good life on his own, eating drinking and being merry as he said but listen to the rest of the story in verse 20 right after he he decides to build his bigger barn and eat drink and be merry god said to him you fool this very night your life will be demanded from you then you will get what then who will get what you have prepared for yourself after acquiring and planning and building his own little kingdom, the man dies unexpectedly. This is a story. It's a parable. Jesus isn't saying that this is necessarily going to happen, but we know that this happens. We acquire and plan and build, and then we we don't know the number of days we have left. And in this story, the man dies unexpectedly. His life is over. And the story ends with a question. Who will get all of your stuff? And it's not an empty question, like the question actually has an answer, a real answer. And the answer is the same for every single one of us, someone else. Someone else will get all of his things, not because the man was generous, but because he was dead. And the sad thing about this story is not that the man died. We will all die. The sad thing about the story is that he never really lived. The man thought that his life was about him. He thought that his life was about acquiring and possessing, but he was wrong. And greed blinded him to that. And that's where the story ends with this question, who will get all your stuff? And then Jesus ends with this really strong statement in verse 21. He says, this is how it will be with whoever Stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. We could just sit with that statement for a while and do some reflection and contemplation about it. I want to say, though, that however you hear that statement, it's not a threat. Jesus is not making a threat. We can choose what we want to do, but it is a warning. Jesus doesn't threaten us, but he does warn us. The man is a fool because he acted foolishly. Right? His actions, storing up for himself, living selfishly, were a denial about how short life really is. And what Jesus wants for the brothers in this story who come to him with this inheritance squabble, and they're trying to figure out what, what to do with each other and with this money that they have, and what Jesus wants for us is to have an awareness about the brevity of life, about how short life really is, so that we don't make the same mistake. And so Jesus ends with this strong statement: this is how it will be with anyone that stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Like there, there are surveys out there that preachers would prefer to preach about hell than preach about money. And I believe it when I hear statements that Jesus makes like that, right? Because those are really hard words that I want you to be sure you know. Jesus said, "Not me." And it leads me to wonder. I hope it leads you to wonder too, if, if this is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God, the next natural question is, well, then how are we can we be rich toward God? I want to be sure I'm doing that, right? And there's probably a variety of answers, but one answer that I want to offer in a word this morning is the word generosity. I believe that the prescription for greed is generosity. Generosity is this willingness to give more money, more time, more of yourself than is necessary or expected at the moment. And the reason that this is the prescription for greed is that if you're giving more of yourself, more of your money, more of your time, then you're less focused on yourself and therefore less likely to fall into the trap of thinking that the point of life is you or your stuff or what you own. Something that we can all agree on, something we can all agree on is that all of us were born with nothing and that all of us will die with nothing. You will never see, you'll never see this picture. You'll never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer. Somebody created this one and I thought it was too good not to share. You'll never see this. And what, the, what, it, what, what it means, what the fact that we'll never see this means is that we don't own any of the stuff that we have, right? You only haul with you stuff that you own that you're moving to another location, right? But when we go on to the life that is eternal life, that is beyond this temporary life, none of the stuff that we've acquired and accumulated is going to matter there. In In the parable, the man was in denial about this. He thought it was his, and he could take it with him. And what he didn't understand was that he was just a steward. What do I mean by a steward? What what does that word steward mean? To be a steward of something. To be a steward of something is to be a caretaker. A person, if a person is a steward of something, they have a primary job of taking care of something that they don't own. Like a manager taking care of something that is not actually theirs. And the problem with the man in the parable is that he forgets that he was a steward, that his life is temporary, that his job was just to take care of the things that he'd been blessed with. And he becomes so focused on temporary things that he had failed to think about eternal things that really mattered. And so the way that we are rich toward God, church, is to be sure that we are investing in what's eternal. And not what's temporary. And here's the thing. Like, this matters to God. It matters to Jesus. Jesus would talk so much about it because he knows how consuming it is, right? I mean, the thing that I thought about this week as I was, you know, getting ready for today was like, Jesus didn't have teenage drivers that he had to insure, right? And then one of them has a fender bender and insurance goes up, and all of a sudden you're thinking about money, Right? unexpected expenses that come out of no we all have these all the time but in the midst of all that stuff we have to trust and have faith that we can still invest in what's eternal and God will always provide enough for this temporary life it matters to Jesus because what Jesus wants is our heart and he says in another place you can't serve both God and money Culture says hoard and collect and take care of number one first, build bigger barns. And Jesus says the opposite of that, share, give to the one who asks, bless others, shock people with generosity. Because it's in doing those things that you're investing in being rich toward God. You're investing your heart in the kingdom of God. You're stewarding what you've been given here to advance that kingdom that will last forever. Forever. And so today, today we've talked about the thing that we actually never talk about. And I'm only going to talk about it today. I'm starting a new series next Sunday I'm excited about from the Old Testament prophet Micah. But my hope is that today will not cause anyone to run away like the squirrels did for that small country church, that you'll come back. And instead, what it will do is it will cause us to reflect that we'll look at the man in Luke 12 and that we'll look at our own lives. The spiritual practice of generosity can be expressed in a variety of ways and should be expressed in a variety of ways. But for followers of Jesus Christ who are a part of a church community, one of the ways that that generosity gets expressed is by giving to the work of the church because what we understand is, as I said a minute ago, it's not so much about the amount as it is about our heart. But what I know and what I've seen over and over and over again in this church is that all of our collective resources are able to accomplish so much more for the kingdom of God than I would ever be able to do by myself and than you would ever be able to do by yourself. And that is where the power of giving to something that you believe in matters, right? Because it, you begin to see God working. And, it, and, it's, and it's not always, it's not one thing, it's a, it's a thousand things. And so the spiritual practice of giving is the of giving to a church is the beginning step to help each of us live with greater awareness that we are simply stewards of what we have. It's the beginning step in helping followers of Jesus live generously, so that others can have what they need as well. This topic matters because it's a physical thing, money. It's a physical thing that impacts us spiritually. And I want you to hear this morning that in God's eyes you are enough. You you are not measured by what you own in God's eyes. What you have or what you don't have doesn't matter to God. Your love just the way you are. And so I want us to, I want us to repent of the addiction of caring too much about what we own and what we possess. And I want us to embrace the love of God that says to us, you have unsurpassable worth. Nothing you can ever do, nothing you can ever buy or wear or own or not own is going to change the worth that you have in God's eyes. And it is. It is in the freedom that comes from knowing that truth, church, that we can truly live. That we can let go of the things that we hold on to so dearly in this world. And we can instead embrace the thing that is eternal. Let's pray together. Father, we, we are aware of the ways in which we easily uh, give in to the pressure of being people who live in this world. We're unable to escape uh, the, the reality of the world that we live in, which is caught up in and consumed by stuff. We measure each other, we've measured each other, we've been measured by others based on what we have or didn't have. It started when we were kids and we got judged in elementary or junior high school about the kind of clothing we were or were not wearing, and it continues on, God, as adults when we live in a way that is overly concerned about those kinds of things. And I pray this morning that all of us will hear not my words, but your words, that what matters matters is being rich toward you what matters is being generous toward the uh, toward others that you have created in your image what matters is holding on to the stuff that you've given us to be stewards of with open hands being willing to share and to bless and to encourage others with anything that comes through our hands anything that comes through our pocketbooks our bank accounts our lives, even our very breath, God, we pray that we'll be generous with our lives, our, the heartbeat that we have, and however many lef- heartbeats we have left, that we will use all of those as generous givers, blessing, and working in your kingdom, investing in what matters and what's eternal. I'm thankful. I'm actually thankful for the hard word from Jesus this morning. Uh, as we begin this new year and all of us make commitments to you and to other people and to our church family, uh, may this be a part of what we do, just to, to live this year in a way that helps us grasp and understand more fully uh, who we have been created to be. We're thankful that you love us the way we are, that we, are, uh, we have been ascribe, assigned and given worth by you And that nothing that we own or possess can ever change that or take that away. We love you, Father, and we are thankful for Christ, for his life, and for his teaching this morning. And we pray that you'll give us courage to live in to the way that he calls us to live. It's in his name we pray. And the church said, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? We're going to sing another song before we're led in a shepherd's prayer. If you have prayer requests that you want to make public, uh, certainly you can come and let me know that. You can find somebody around you to pray with this morning. Uh, you can also text prayer requests in to our number that's 469 770 That's in the bulletin also. But uh, let us know if we can be praying for you at all this morning. Uh, thank you so much.